Well, good morning, everybody. It is so wonderful to see you here this morning. Aren't these flowers just so beautiful? Uh, we had a special memorial service yesterday for our dear friend Kumar Vijayaswarapu. And you see his picture up here. Kumar was such a dear part of our church family. And if I can say this, that the impact that he made uh, for the kingdom of God in this community and beyond, we're talking globally, it was just it was just amazing to hear about. And uh, every conversation I had with Kumar was filled with hope and encouragement. There were hundreds upon hundreds of people here yesterday on our church campus to come and to remember and to celebrate Kumar's life. And we're just so thankful for the impact that he made here in our church. And um, his dear wife, Devi, uh, she blessed us with these flowers again this morning. And to thank you, church family, for loving on uh, Debbie, their two daughters, Alice and Cheryl, Alice's husband, Frank, their daughter, Aster, who Kumar just absolutely loved, his granddaughter. And so um, we had a special time yesterday. And thank you to all those who made yesterday possible. They, uh, they worked tirelessly to make this possible. And I know the family was blessed. So thank you. Thank you for your love for your church family. Last week, Pastor Luke kicked off, Pastor, Pastor Luke kicked off our series last Sunday by encouraging us to exercise our spiritual gifts. And he encouraged us to understand that our gifts were given to us by God, not for our own personal selfish gain, but for the benefit of others in the body of Christ. And today I'm going to continue our series. I've entitled my message, Vital Components of a Healthy Church. Vital Components of a Healthy Church. And if you like to take notes, let me tell you, this is the day to take notes. You might need like two or three sheets, okay? Because I've got a lot to say, but we're going to get through this as fast as we can. And throughout today's message... We're going to hear words like community and commonality and common. In fact, throughout our series, we'll hear these words over and over again. And that's because church, by its very nature, involves other people. Did you know that you cannot have a church of one? There's no such thing. You might think... You're your own church. But by its very definition, a church involves other people. In the New Testament, the word church is the word ecclesia. And you see it up here. Ecclesia is it just a general word. And it's used to describe a called out assembly. I loved school assemblies growing up as a student. You know why I love school assemblies? Because it got us out of class. I loved, every week I'd pray for a school assembly. Because what it meant was no class and everybody attended the assembly together. And that's the key word, together. Last week, Pastor Luke defined church this way. He said church is basically the community of all true believers for all time. The community of all true believers for all time. He was actually talking about what we call the universal 
church. Another word for universal is invisible. So the universal church throughout history is comprised, comprises all true believers for all time. And the reason why we call it invisible is this, because you and I, we can't possibly know every single believer who has lived throughout history. We can't even know every believer who exists today in our world. Only God knows the hearts of those who believe. And that's why we call it the true, universal, invisible church. But now, this is where the local church comes into the picture. Because the universal, invisible church must be manifested in some way. And it's manifested in the local, what we call visible church. For example, here at Efree Church in Diamond Bar. And there's an important distinction between the universal or invisible church and the local or visible church. It's a very important distinction. The universal church is made up only of believers. The local church, the visible church, at any given time might include those who know Jesus Christ and also those who have not yet put their faith in Jesus. Our hope is this at our church. Our hope is that everybody who comes to E-Free Church, whether as a guest or who finds a home here, our hope is that everyone puts his or her faith in Jesus if they have not already done so. And that's why we exist, to know Jesus and make him know. That's make him known. That is our mission here at E-Free Church. Now, if you want a synopsis of what we define as the church, I encourage you to go to our website. And on our website, you'll see a clear statement of what we think about the church. But I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm just going to read it for you, all right? So you can follow along as I read to you the synopsis that you'll find on our website. Here is the church as we understand it. We believe that the true church comprises all who have been justified by God's grace through faith alone in Christ Jesus. They are unified by the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, of which he is the head. The true church is manifest in local churches, whose membership should be composed only of believers. The Lord Jesus mandated two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, which visibly and tangibly express the gospel. Though they are not the means of salvation, when celebrated by the church in genuine faith, these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer. And throughout this series, we're going to talk about all the components of this statement. We'll talk about components such as the importance of membership and how that benefits all of us. We'll talk about ordinances, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. You already heard that next week we have baptisms. Baptisms at our church are amongst the best Sundays. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you have not yet demonstrated that outwardly through baptism, I encourage you, go to our website, sign up. It is powerful. And I see many of you here today that were baptized right here on the stage. That outward expression, it celebrates the inward commitment that you've made. Here at our church, on the first Sunday of every month, we participate in communion. 
We gather together over the Lord's Supper. And so we'll talk about all these components of a church throughout the coming weeks. And the reason why we're spending an entire series on this one subject, the church, is to gain a deeper understanding of the biblical concept of church. Because, quite frankly, there are many unbiblical concepts of church. Not only that, we want to gain a deeper appreciation for the local church. And here... We're talking specifically about E-Free Church in Diamond Bar. Now, throughout history, we know that the church has been likened to a family. And you don't need me to tell you that there is no perfect family. Anybody here come from a perfect family? No. No. You know, in every single family, there's a little dysfunction. Amen? Yes, yes. In every family, there's just a little dysfunction. There's always a family member that's quirky, interesting, unique. Every family has that uncle, right? Every family has that aunt. Every family has that uniquely different person. And if you're sitting there thinking, no, no, Tim. No, no, you don't understand. My family's normal. If you're thinking that, I've got news for you. You're the quirky one. (laughs) You're just not self-aware. You're the weird one. Every family has a little dysfunction. No family is perfect. And guess what? No church is perfect this side of heaven. In fact, many of the letters in the New Testament were written to exhort imperfect churches. So in our time this morning, what we're going to do is this. We're going to see what it means to be part of the local body of Christ. Now, when we think of the word community, Many words come to mind, right? Commonality, bond, group, uh, beliefs, values. They can be centered on any kind of interest or belief system. This week, I entered the word community into my search engine. And out came 10.6 billion results. For just that one word, community. And when we think about the word community, we can look at it on two different levels. And it's important for us to make this distinction. So I want to show you the difference between community in the concrete sense and community in the abstract sense. And so when we look at community in the concrete sense, we see it as a group. A group of people with certain things, certain aspects in common. So that's community in the concrete sense. But there's also community in the abstract sense. And that is the quality of sharing enjoyed by a group of people with certain aspects in common. When we think about the church, I think most of us would agree that the concrete definition applies. We are a group of people with something in common. And that's Jesus Christ. But the challenge for many churches is how to foster an environment that allows us to experience community in the abstract sense. The quality of sharing enjoyed by that group. And so today, 
We're going to look at three vital components of a healthy church. Three vital components of a healthy church. I adopted these from author Richard Lamb, L-A-M-B. And throughout our time, we'll see that when these three components coexist, the church fulfills its calling. But when one or more of these does not exist, if there is an imbalance, we'll see that we fall short of God's will for his church. So we've got a lot to share today. So I'm going to get going. Here's the first vital component of a healthy church, and that is common commitment. Common commitment, and that is characterized by the word accountability. A few minutes ago, we said that there's no such thing as a church of one. You cannot have a church of one person. But let's just pretend. For a moment, we're going to pretend that you are your own church. So you are the member of your own church, the sole member. And this coming Sunday, it's your job to preach the sermon. Come Friday, you're struggling because you're not motivated. You have writer's block. You can't come up with a sermon. So you tell yourself on Friday night, I'm not feeling it this week. Let's take a break this Sunday. I'll have a great sermon next Sunday. I'm just not motivated right now. Okay, we'll take the Sunday off. So you take that Sunday off. You don't meet. Next Sunday comes around, and you show up to your church, and you go, <clears throat> I've got a scratch in my throat. It's not bad, but I, I feel something coming on, and I don't want to give it to somebody else. So let's just take a break this Sunday. We'll come back next Sunday, and I'll have an even greater sermon next Sunday for you. The third Sunday comes around, you're like, you come up with a new excuse. And then a new excuse. You get the point. With a church of one, there is no accountability. That's why accountability is a vital component to a healthy church, because it helps us fulfill our commitment. In the neighborhood where Joanne and I live, one of our neighbors has transformed his garage into the most elaborate home gym I've ever seen in my life. And I kid you not. So early on, when I first noticed it, he would have his garage door open. He painted the entire interior of his, interior of his garage black. And he has blue mood lighting all throughout. He's got a nice, big, shiny refrigerator, and then he's got hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gym equipment in his garage. And the first few days, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of equipment for just one person. And then I started to know something very fascinating. Early in the morning, while it was still pitch black, while I'm out with my dog, we see his garage door open in the dark, and then we see cars start to drive into the street. And people will park on his driveway, four cars at a time, sometimes six cars at a time, and then other cars would park along the street. And then, amazingly, out of each car comes out three or four people. He has set up his own 24-hour fitness. 
his own LA fitness, his own planet fitness. They are there to be trained by him. But what's so amazing, again, is that nobody comes by him or herself. They come with their friends in the same car. You all know this. Half the battle of working out is actually getting yourself to the gym, right? That's half the battle. What if you are the driver for that morning in your carpool? You can't let your fellow workout buddies down. So you get up at 4 a.m. and you pick them up and you go to the residential 24-hour fitness at 5 a.m. I want you to turn to Hebrews 10. Look at verses 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And the author Hebrews, he encourages believers who are struggling in their faith. And he says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The author of Hebrews, he understood the vital component of a common commitment to others in the family of God. You see, God never created us to live as islands. We are to live in relationship to one another. You may have noticed in verse 24, there's a word, spur. I want you to picture a spur. I am no equestrian expert, but I did a lot of research this past week on the subject. And I learned something very fascinating. When a rider uses a spur incorrectly on the horse, it damages the horse. It causes pain and damage. You see, because when we look at a spur and we look at a boot, we think, wow, all you do is just kick the horse like this. But if you kick the horse wrongly, it'll damage the horse. But when used properly, the spur effectively guides and directs and moves the horse to productive action. That's the difference. You and I are called to spur one another on, not to damage one another, but to exhort and encourage. You and I, we can't force one another to make wise choices, but we're called to exhort one another and to guide one another so that we can all make the wisest decisions that will honor God. No one can force you to make decisions. But when you surround yourself with people, a group, they can exhort and encourage you and even warn you about sin to help you make effective choices in life. Accountability is a vital part of a healthy church. If you are not part of a group here at E-Free Church, I encourage you, sign up for Rooted. Come next Sunday and see what God has in store for you. And here's what happens when you're part of a small group. A bond is formed 
You care for one another. You pray for one another. You spur one another on. You learn to open up to one another. You reveal your struggles to one another, knowing that God has placed you all together to mutually grow. That's what happens. Will it be easy? No. Will it be convenient? Rarely. Is it spiritually healthy? Absolutely. We're going to talk much more about accountability later on in this message. For now, let's move on to the second vital component of a healthy church, and that is common life. Common life. And that's characterized by the word fellowship. Fellowship comes from a Greek word, which means to share something in common. If you want the Greek word, I'll give it to you. It's koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. That means to share something in common. And when we share fellowship with someone else, we share a certain bond. And usually food is involved, right? Let's face it. In the church, fellowship and food... They go hand in hand. It's hard to have one without the other. It's no accident that when we have donuts on Sundays, people hang out a lot longer <laughs> on the patio. Whenever we have refreshments, people just hang out. On the second Sunday of every month after second service, I usually just kind of casually make my way over to the children's area. Because on the second Sunday of every month, we have what's called PALS. Play and lunch Sundays. And they usually have some delicious free lunch. So I just kind of casually go over there, and it never fails. Somebody always says, oh, Pastor Tim, why don't you have some pizza? Oh, wow, you have pizza today? <laughs> so if you want to just casually go over there on the second Sunday, someone's going to offer you some delicious food. Acts 2. 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We're going to talk so much more about the breaking of bread later on when we talk about the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. For now, just know that sharing life together is vital. It is crucial for a healthy church Throughout the week, here's what, I, here's what I love to see on our campus. Throughout the week, there's all kinds of groups that meet on campus. Small groups, Bible study groups, life groups. And I often see people going to their groups carrying some food to share with their group. If you want to bless someone, one of the best ways is through food, right? If you want to bless someone, food is certainly the best way to go. You might not remember every sermon you hear on Sunday mornings. And don't worry, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> I get it. You hear a lot of sermons. You may not remember every sermon, but you're going to remember the time when someone dropped off a meal when you were sick, when you were recovering from surgery, when you lost a loved one. Or during happy occasions. You can remember when your friends here at church took you out to celebrate. 
your birthday. I cannot tell you how many times our family has been blessed by meals from so many of you over the years. Countless number of times. Countless. A few months ago, I was having lunch with a fellow church member at a restaurant just up the street, just right up there. He wanted to treat me to lunch, so we chose a restaurant just up the street. And upon entering the restaurant, we noticed a a couple from our church, a husband and wife couple. They were enjoying lunch at the same restaurant. So we went over and we said hello to them, had a nice time. And then my friend and I, we went and sat at our table around the corner in the restaurant. We had a wonderful lunch. It was just a, a, a sweet time of fellowship and encouraging each other. After the lunch, he went to pay for our meal. And the manager said, oh, your friends who were over there, they paid for your lunch and left. Those are the kinds of memories that stay impressed on our hearts. Recently, our youth group, our junior high and high school students, they went up to Running Springs for their winter retreat. A couple of the parents, they volunteered to help drive the students up to camp, and they stayed there with the students, and one of the parents put his culinary expertise to work, and he made every meal for the campers that weekend. On that Saturday, Joanne and I, in our German Shepherd Kingston, we drove up to Running Springs, and we joined the students for a wonderful hike. Pastor Kevin, Tim Callahan, all the students, we went for a hike, and when we returned to the cabin, guess what was waiting for us? A delicious, hot lunch. Going to retreats, staying up late at night, eating food at 2 a.m., those are where memories are made, right? That's where life is experienced. By the way, thankfully that retreat took place the weekend before the weekend of the storms. Otherwise, they'd still be up there. The life of the church is what gets impressed on our hearts. I know we are all very busy between family and work and school and sports and music. There's not a whole lot of time. But when it comes to developing community, there is no substitute for spending time with one another. If you are part of a group here at our church, my encouragement is this, to faithfully commit to your group. Don't think this. If I have time this week, I'll go. Think this. I will make time this week to go. And if I do, I trust that God's going to give me the energy that I will need. Here's the uh, third vital component of a Christian or of a healthy church. That is common vision. And that is characterized by the word partnership. Common vision. 
partnership. Did you know that you and I, as part of E-Free Church, we are called not only to keep each other accountable, we are called not only to spend time doing life together, we are part of a much bigger calling than ourselves. You see, every so often we have to remind ourselves, you know, the world doesn't revolve around me. And we have to remind ourselves over and over again, the world does not revolve around me. I love what John Maxwell, author, says about this subject. He says this, The entire population of the world, with one minor exception, is composed of others. I'm going to say that again. Let that sink in. The entire population of the world, with one minor exception, okay, that's you, that's me, is composed of others. In other words, the world does not revolve around me and what I want and what I feel like. As fellow members of the body of Christ, the universal church, and the local church here, the Free Church, we share a greater vision that goes beyond ourselves, and if I may say so, that also extends beyond our groups. You see, we have many groups here at our church, many wonderful groups. But if we don't have a common vision, here's what will result. A lot of little churches doing their own thing. And that is not God's intention for his church. He wants us collectively to have a shared vision, to know Jesus and to make him known. And so all of our groups, they function to support the whole. And we'll talk much more about this in the coming weeks. And that is why corporate worship is so important. You see what happens in corporate worship? You witness baptisms. You participate in communion. In our smaller groups, those groups complement our worship services. But they are not substitutes for corporate worship. So we must all share in a common vision. And that is one whole partnership. So now that we've looked at the three vital components of a healthy church, here's what a church would look like if it's missing one or more of these components. I'm going to start with what would happen without accountability. Let's talk about that. So let's say you're at a church and the members of the church, they share a lot of common life. They hang out together. They eat together. They go on trips together. They love spending time together. And also, they love doing service projects together with the church. They have outreach programs. They're always signing up for outreach. So they're busy as a group doing life together. They minister together with missions, local outreaches. But what if there's no accountability? What if inside the group, the tough questions are not being asked? Here's what can happen. A person in that situation can drift away from the standards of God's truth. And the other members may not even know it or might even turn a blind eye to it. So without accountability... From the outside looking in, a group can look healthy, 
when in fact, when you look closely, it could be deteriorating spiritually without that sense of shared accountability, without the tough questions. Hey, I want to pray for you. Is there a sin that, that you're struggling with? Uh, not because you are judging that person, but because, you know what? I, I want to pray. I want to pray that God would do a work in your life. Or, better yet, you open yourself up to somebody. Hey, you know, I'm struggling in this area. Will you keep me accountable? So, that's what would happen without accountability, is you might have a healthy-looking group from the outside, but inside, the members don't get what they need spiritually. Let's just hang out together, eat food together, go on trips, but never talk about the hard things. Let's do ministry together, but don't get into each other's lives. Now, what about what would happen without fellowship? Let's say in a church, a group is really good about accountability. Hey, this week, what was your sin? Tell me your top five sins. And I'm going to keep you accountable now. Hey, let's go make some converts. Let's go make converts, win people for Jesus. But what if there's no warm fellowship? There's no warmth of Jesus. Do you know what results? I'm going to tell you what results. If you have strong accountability, strong focus on converting people, but no warm fellowship. Here's what results. Ready? Boot camp. <laughs> Boot camp is what results. There's this high-intensity relationship between leader and follower. Do as I say. My word is law. Let's go win people for Jesus. But without warm fellowship, here's what happens. People will begin to feel unfairly judged and monitored. Accountability produces tension. Hey, I don't want that. I'm out of here. Who are you to tell me what to do? Warm fellowship, love, common life is vital. Now, finally, what would happen without partnership? Consider a group with great fellowship. They're in each other's lives. They ask the hard questions, and they keep each other accountable. They love spending time together. They go on vacations together. They eat together all the time. Every week after church, they go and eat but what if there's no shared vision? Eventually, here's what happens. We become a clique. You see, because accountability is the most inward-focused. Fellowship, again, is inward-focused. If we don't think about the bigger picture why we exist then eventually we just become a clique and we just become a group and those on the outside remain on the outside common commitment common life a common vision this is the kind of community that the early church enacts 
experienced. And if we want to experience that kind of community, here's my encouragement, here's my exhortation, church. We must all take our place in the body of Christ. Every one of us must take our place in the body of Christ. So how can we find our place in the body of Christ? We can do it in three ways. And I'll run through these quickly. Three ways to find our place in the body of Christ. Number one, move from being a consumer to a participant. Move from being a consumer to a participant. The consumer attends church and rates it like a movie reviewer. Two thumbs up. Riveting. Moving. Inspiring. Or two thumbs down. Man, I wasn't impressed. It lacked punch. I've seen better. The consumer goes to church to purchase a product. Whether the product is strong biblical teaching, whether it's energetic singing, whether it's exciting children's programs, youth programs. Now, let me say this. We, we've all been consumers at one point or another. The goal is to move from being a consumer to a participant. The participant goes to church and has, has this much more of a, a, an attitude of enjoyment about it. I'm going to go and participate. The participant expects to contribute and therefore ultimately enjoys the experience much more. The participant makes a commitment to the life of the church. The participant often stays early or arrives early and stays late. The consumer often arrives late and leaves early. There's a difference there. The participant makes a commitment. And so we want to move from being a consumer to a participant. Secondly, move from being an attendee to a member. Later in our series, we're going to talk about the formal uh, subject of membership, church membership, and why it's important and how you can become a member. We'll talk much more about that later in our series. For now, for our purposes here, we're talking about the difference between a casual attendee and a person who is committed to the life of the church. And here's what happens. If you are simply an attendee, and I get it, that happens early on when you're visiting a church, when you're trying out a church, here's the mentality of an attendee. The person wakes up on Sunday and says, hmm, should I go to church today? Hmm, should I go to that church today? So there's that decision to make when you wake up. The member never even asks that question. I wake up, it's Sunday, I go to church. Not because... My life is so boring, I have nothing else better to do. <laughs> but because I've made a commitment to the life of the church as an active participant and member. And here's the beauty of being a member. Life becomes less complicated. You don't have to make all kinds of decisions every week. You just, you're there. You go. My life group is meeting. I'm there. Sunday service. I'm there. Outreach event. I'm there. So you have far fewer questions to answer. 
and you enjoy the process a lot more. Here's a third way to move. Move from being a critic to a partner. Move from being a critic to a partner. The critic keeps a mental scorecard. How was the music? Oh, and by the way, uh, the music was wonderful today. And if afterwards you go to Eddie or the team and, and, and say, it was wonderful, that's good. Do it, okay? But oftentimes what happens is a critic will evaluate the music. Oh, it was to this or to that. Oh, the song selection was this or that. The critic listens to a message. Oh, the pastor, he spoke way too long on April 23rd. Way too long. I've got more to say, too. But it's clear, in every mental comment, the critic makes it clear that that person is on the outside looking in. The partner, on the other hand, while the partner still has an evaluative capacity, the partner has a whole different perspective. The partner wants the best worship service. The partner wants the best sermon. The partner wants the best campus because we represent the best the critic says why do you do it like that the partner says hey can we try it like this do you want to know the the, the simplest way to tell the difference between a critic and a partner and i'll close with this here's the simplest way to tell the difference between a critic and a partner a critic and we've all been there a critic comes onto our campus, walks along the patio, and sees a piece of trash and says, that looks dirty. Someone should pick it up. The partner sees that napkin, bends down, picks it up quietly, and throws it away. The partner sees the counters in the restroom. Wow, it's wet. It's all over. The partner gets a couple paper towels, dries it off. Here's what the partner does not do. The partner does not see the trash on the ground and says, hey, there's a piece of trash here, but it's okay. I got it. I'll throw it away. So, okay, don't worry, I got it. Here it is. I'm throwing it away. Now, I get it. It's easy for me to say this because, quite frankly, I'm a paid staff member. So I'm a partner. But can I tell you, I see so many of you throughout the week, volunteers, who go above and beyond as partners and you take care of our campus. You take care of one another and you do it with the, the most humble hearts, with the biggest servants' hearts.
I see that. Not because you want it to be seen, but, but I see it. The beauty of the gospel is that it brings people with different cultures, languages, life experiences, different interests all together into one body. And church, I got to tell you, every single week, I thank God for our church family because he brought together a diverse group of people into one body. I look around here and we are diverse in every possible way. So God's brought us together and he wants to do miracles in his church and through his church. And I believe maybe he's waiting for some to say, I'm going to take my place in the body of Christ. It's not a perfect church, but I'm going to pick up that trash. And the more we do that, guess what happens? The more invested you become. And the more trash you'll pick up. And the more you'll love it. And the more you'll see God work. That's my encouragement. Would you bow with me? Lord, thank you for this time that we've had together as a church family. Thank you for your church. I know I said a lot this morning, um, but thank you, Lord, for impressing these things on my heart. I love our church so much, but Lord, I'm reminded every week that you love our church more than we could ever love our church. And I just pray that each one of us would take our place and find a community that loves, that loves you and loves people. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.